Thank you for coming here today. It's me, Linda Sage, on Learning From Life. One thing I can promise you, there'll be people to meet over the airways here you'll never forget. Some, as long as you live. Let's just say, most have had what could be termed as an interesting life. It's not what happens, it's how you deal with it. And one line from any of them could change the way you deal with things forever. They'd be landing from all parts of the planet, all ages, backgrounds and experiences. Telling the truth of how it was and how they manage things may just help you miss a rock or two along your road too. Hi and very welcome back. I'm Linda Sage and this is Learning From Life. And uh, yes, again, I have an amazing guest and I'm so lucky because every week there are just so many amazing people out there and they like to come and join me as well. So today the gentleman joining me has a beautiful talking voice. It's very soft and very gentle. It's attuned to a sense of security just by listening to him speak. Can you imagine where I'm talking from? Yeah, it's a beautiful Irish accent. And uh, John Burns is here with me. He is a professional speaker. Amongst many other things, like everybody, he wears many hats. So, John, thank you so much for being with me. Thank you very much for having me on the, on the show today, Linda. Thank you. So, John, for people that don't know you, who, who is John Burns? Just tell us a little bit about you and your background. Great question, and thank you for asking it. John Burns is a qualified chartered management accountant, a qualified in 1995. I worked in industry as an accountant for over 25 years, and then I was made redundant by a multinational company. At that stage, the HR director in that company asked me, John, what's your Myers-Briggs? And I said, I'm an INTP. I for introversion, N for intuitive, T for thinking, and P for perception. He said, John, you're not suited to accountancy. I said, David, thank you for saying that. I've been saying the same thing to myself for the past 25 years. (laughs) And then I was confronted with a situation where I had to change career. I went from working 60 hours a week to paddling my own canoe and my life was in crisis. And then a couple of years ago, a gentleman said to me, John, do you want to start making money again? I said, yes. He said, come to my office tomorrow and have a meeting. And then I launched my career coaching and professional speaking business. And it's been a great journey for the past couple of years. And that's my story in a nutshell. John, I know that you're also a member of Toastmasters. And has this been a good learning ground for you? It has indeed, because looking back at my youth and early adulthood, I was a very shy individual. And I had a negative thought in my head about uh, public speaking. And to overcome that, I took a plunge and I dived into the deep end of the pool and joined Toastmasters International way back in 1994. I must say that at the beginning of my Toastmasters career, I was quite shy and I used to memorise my speeches. 
But then with more practice, I started to use keywords in speeches. And I've been in Toastmasters on and off since 1994. And I completed my DTM, I think around 2015, 2016. So I've been out of Toastmasters longer than I've actually been in it. So for a number of years, I made slow enough progress. And then from about 2012 to 2015, I, came, I made a lot of progress over a short space of time. But then a gentleman called Eamon O'Brien, who lives in Dublin, he runs a business called the Reluctant Speakers Club. That's the Reluctant Speakers Club. He said, John, would you consider joining the PSA? And I did. And that launched my professional speaking career. Uh, that's a, a great example of when you said that as a teenager, you were so sort of scared and speaking out and timid. And uh, accountancy can be quite an introvert uh, profession as well. So coming out of that was a big step for you. It was. and uh, But you tend to find that the accountants at the more senior jobs, they can be extroverted because they need that energy to be able to cope with meeting people, whether it's banking people, shareholders, other directors, they, need, they can be extroverts. The people at the middle level or to the more junior level can be introverted. Um, but what you find with most accountants are they are sensory people and they tend to be judging people. In other words, they like to have structure and have to-do lists and they plan out ahead for annual budgets, forecasts, month-end accounts. I'm more a good-feeling person and I tend to like more, uh, a more unstructured life. And that's where I would struggle. Uh, that's where I struggled to be a good accountant. I, I understood the theory, but the day-to-day -day control work was a struggle for me because I like the bigger picture. I like the big commercial picture, but I struggled to cope with too much detail continuously. And, and John, when, when you're preparing for a speech now, I know like last year has been a total turmoil for professional speakers and going online, it doesn't give you the same sort of feedback as a live audience. What have you learnt through this year? In January 2021, or January this year, I launched the Gift Show, which is a series of interviews with people that I know from PSA Ireland or PSA UK. And the gift show is all around called Get Your Future Together, G-Y-F-T, Get Your Future Together. And what I found is it's so important to connect with people online on an emotional level. And the way to do that is through your eye contact. You must look at them and at the audience at the same time. And never take your eyes off the screen and never get distracted. And I think also preparation is so important that when you launch into an online environment, that you have your intro prepared, you have your outro prepared, and you have key questions prepared. And also looking at uh, a number of the presentations that have been done uh, via Zoom at PSA regional meetings, I think it's important to be energized, be in the room and use body language and also case studies to illustrate your point in doing online presentations. And there's quite a lot of work in doing that, 
So I always say it's practice, practice, practice leads to success. Yeah, very, very much. And I think, you know, as much stage time, no matter where it is, the more you can get out there and speak to anybody, the better you get at something. Yeah. And I also think with professional speaking, the big difference between professional speaking and public speaking is that you have to have case studies, you have to use stories, and you have to use emotion. I think one of the things where, say, Toastmasters International falls down is a lot of people, they do performances, they have memorized speeches, and the stories they tell, not in all cases, but in many cases, they're not about themselves. And it's very hard to establish an emotional connection in that situation. That's why I say, always tell your own stories in a speech, not someone else's, because people can realize very quickly whether through the tone of your voice or your body language, if you're telling your own story or not. Very, very valid point of view there, because also when you take somebody else's story, somebody else is always going to know that story as well. And then you know, if they start talking and saying, oh, well, that's not theirs, that's somebody else's, you lose all your credibility as well. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, and there's nothing as bad as, you know, telling somebody else's story. I remember Alan Stevens saying this one time at a PSA Ireland regional meeting, never, never tell anybody else's story because if you do, you'll have zero credibility with the audience and the speaker bureau that's booked you. Oh, very, very true. And coming back to your eye contact, I must admit that uh, this last week, in fact, I did a presentation for a 17-headed department in the NHS, and it was on Teams, and that's a platform I don't usually work on. I wasn't really comfortable with it, so I had to do quite a lot of work to get used to it. And then when I actually went on to do it, it was like we are today. It was, it was virtual. Everybody had their uh, screens blank. Although they were listening and they were engaging, and they were doing what I asked them to just being on a blank screen it totally threw me yeah I'm used to doing radio and podcast and things like this but the training it was a completely different feeling and not being able to engage with anybody yeah I do remember when I joined PSA first and one of our Ireland region members Lottie Heron said to me one time John one thing you need to learn about professional speaking is you go along to a venue and you have certain expectations of that venue and the event organizer. You could be put into a little side room that has enough space for 10 people only. And you're expecting a crowd of at least 100 to be there when you're speaking. So never get your expectations up because you could be disappointed. And I do think what you experienced there with the uh, teams meeting that organization, it's very difficult, I find, to talk to a blank screen. But you had prepared well and you were able to overcome any curveball that was put your way. And that's important that you can draw on your experience and your preparation to deliver a very good presentation to a client organization. So the whole point there is. Don't get phased, don't get flustered, just carry on and do the very best you can on behalf of the client. Yeah, very, very good points there, John. 
And also, when when you're preparing for something, are you looking forward to going back into live events? Do you think that's going to happen very soon? That's a great question. I was only talking the other day to Henry Rose Lee about this. I believe that online events are going to continue predominantly for the next 12 months. But there's also a green agenda post-COVID. And I can see international events, maybe like, say, the Global Speakers Federation Conference, that's going to be a hybrid event next year. We're going to have a number of speakers speaking out of Dublin, and there's going to be a lot of other speakers who will be speaking from their home country. I can see that continuing in terms of international events going forward. But to answer your question, I'm looking forward to the day of getting back into the room because it gives me a buzz. And even though I'm an introvert, somewhat, I'm kind of on the borderline between introversion and extroversion. I do find that um, the buzz in the room gets the heartbeat going, gets the energy level up. And it's very hard at times to replicate that in an online environment. And I do find that if you're on Zoom meetings a lot, and you've heard a lot of people, you know, I read a lot of blogs where people are saying they're suffering from Zoom fatigue mm-hmm. because they're just constantly looking at a screen. So I think going forward, I'd like to see a mixture of in-person speaking and online hybrid events. That's how I see it going. Yeah, yeah, I do. I think there's still going to be room for both. But I must admit that um, being able to be in events in other countries, because I personally have done an awful lot in the US and Canada, uh, Australia and South Africa since being in my living room. You know, if I'd looked at those events, probably I could do one or two of them and, you know, be in the local area. But I could never have done the amount I've already done. True, true. But I think there's people who we know in the PSA who are probably missing that foreign travel that they used to uh, mention quite a lot on Facebook <laughs> and other social media mediums. But uh, yeah. But... Yeah, I, must, uh, I, do, I do miss the travel. I don't particularly miss the airports and the waiting around. But uh, yeah, being other yeah. places is, is always nice. And Dublin, you spoke about, that's a lovely city. And uh, I know Toastmasters is very, very strong in Ireland. And, of course, the um, way of telling stories is very typical of the Irish as well. Yeah, true, true. But uh, there's plenty of good storytellers in PSA UK and, and in Toastmasters International in the UK also. Um, you need to look at uh, one or two speakers from the London area who have been to the World Finals in TI on two or three or four occasions. Uh, there's some good storytellers in the London area. <gasps> it, it's just, I think, with the Irish accent, uh, for somebody, obviously you don't know you've got this accent, but for somebody else listening to the Irish lilt and telling a story, there's always something sort of magical about it. Oh, thank you very much. But uh, I do look up to one person here in PSAR, and I think he's a great... Um, storyteller and he's got great experience he's been he's traveled the world he's worked in the states he's worked in the uk he's worked in south africa he knows who he is uh from listening to this podcast hopefully uh i won't mention names mention names yeah no that's happy that's fine and and to me he's a person i look up to in terms of telling of telling stories 
And again, it's like anything else. The more you practice it, the better you become at it. Uh, and there's a great book on storytelling by Professor Lisa Cron, C-R-O-N, Lisa Cron. And she talks about, you know, the whole lead into stories and building up to the uh, climax and all this type of thing. It's a great book. I bought it, but I haven't read it yet. It was recommended to me. <laughs> it's one of those books that you buy and you put on the side and you keep meaning to get there. Yes, indeed. But I will someday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like the exercise ball that I've got in the middle of my living room. It's there and I keep looking yeah. at it, but it doesn't get used at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, just, John, what's the future hold for you? What are you going to be doing? That's a great question. The future is very bright for John Burns. Last year, I launched my professional speaking and career coaching business. And last year, I concentrated on brand awareness videos and putting together my new e-commerce website. This year, I'm concentrating on building my intellectual property and doing YouTube videos. And I'm also adding those videos onto my website to secure the intellectual property. I believe the future is very bright and I take it day by day. I don't get ahead of myself. Uh, I What I do is I celebrate my successes modestly, but I also learn from my failures. And I also take on board constructive feedback. And today I had an email from a member of PSA UK and he suggested to me two things I could do on my YouTube channel to get more subscribers and to get more people to look at my uh, videos. And knowing this man, I said to myself, I'll take him board and accept his recommendations and act on them. And he came back and thanked me for doing that. So always be prepared to take on board constructive feedback because it's in your own best interests. And I'm going to keep working hard at my business. I'm not going to run a you know, that run away with myself and let my ego build up. I'm going to concentrate on building my business and serving my customers. Hopefully that answers your question. Thank you, John. Yeah, where would you normally get your clientele from? Who, who are you looking at to, to try and help? I'm looking at helping senior business executives who've been made redundant due to the COVID-19 pandemic. They want to return to full-time employment or start a business of their dreams. And the reason I want to help people like that is I was in a similar position when I was made redundant. And I wouldn't like for people to go through the same trauma that I suffered when I was made redundant from my job. So that's who I see as my audio client because I can talk the language to those people. How, how did you actually feel then, John, when you were made redundant? I felt very upset. I felt as if the whole world had nearly ended. I felt let down by my employer on one hand. And I was very, very lonely for a couple of years because I took my job very seriously. I made my job my life. I, um, I also had my social life within my job I used to go to rugby matches with people from work. And as soon as I was made redundant, that all came to an end. And I had no life. I was just sitting at home 
watching the world go by. And of course, at the time, Ireland was in a deep recession uh, due to the uh, credit crunch. And it was completely lost. That's the truth. You know, and uh, I kept asking myself over over and over again, why was I made redundant? And then I realised one day I I had to stop asking those sort of questions and start helping myself. So what made you go towards the coaching? What enticed you that direction? It's a great question. I've always been a people person. And people I know in the past who have worked with me, uh, both in the UK and Ireland, have always said that I am a people person and I like to help people. And only there very recently I did a um, an essence uh, analysis with Michelle Mills Porter. And my top three um, personality or behavioural types is firstly individualistic. I like meeting people one-to-one or in small groups. I'm sociable, but I also like to help people to better themselves, to become a better version of themselves, no more than myself. And that's why I like about the career coaching. And it's also a great way for me to give people the benefit of my life experience, having worked as an accountant industry for 25 years, I've built up quite a lot of experience in a commercial sense in a number of industries. And I do think that um, accountancy is a great business qualification to have. And the fact that I was doing work where it wasn't necessary for me is a great way to connect emotionally with people who are struggling in their careers. So if you had to go back and uh, knowing what you know now, and if you were speaking to yourself when you got made redundant, what advice would you give you? I think it's important for people to maybe take three or six months out post-redundancy if they can afford to do that and to make that important break with their past employer. But no more than that, and then when that time is over, you have to start thinking about where your future lies. Uh, Is it going to be going back into uh, paid employment or is it starting your own business? Or what you have to do if you want to go back into paid employment is to really identify the crux of the issue as to why you are made redundant. And what I have found in the past is employers may not be always entirely truthful with you when you're being made redundant. They might give you a reason why you'd be made redundant, like cost savings or reduction in headcount. But you have to identify the real reason why you've been selected and not some of your other colleagues. And could be your inability to delegate to lead and build a team, or your soft skills. You've got to identify that weakness and work on it. That's an important thing for people who've been made redundant who want to return to the the workplace. Uh, And then for people who want to set their own business up, they have to identify the type of work they love to do. They can help people to be better as professional people and how they can best serve people. There has to be an emotional connection there. 
and it's all about serving people. And it's funny you said that, John, about taking, you know, three to six months out after leaving. Do you think that that's actually like a form of bereavement, a form of letting go of one thing and perhaps then looking at starting something new and embracing a new life? I, I, I think it is, yes, yeah, because you have to let go of your past employer. Now, it's easy to say take three or six months out, but some people can afford that. A lot of people can't, uh, and it all depends on the package you get when you're made redundant. You know, hopefully, you know, senior executives will get a package that will allow them to take a soft landing as such in terms of financial commitments. Um, and they can take that time out then to let go of the past and start to look to the future. Because there's no doubt about it, but redundancy can be very energy draining. And you have to allow that period of time to disengage with your past employer and start thinking about how I can get my energy level up, start taking exercise, start embracing a new constructive challenge. That's all important. It seems like you've done very well to bridge that gap from being feeling so low and empty to coming back and doing something quite challenging and exciting. Indeed. I'm looking forward to the, the future. The future is very bright for John Burns. I keep saying that to myself every day. You know, um, always think positive about the future uh, and don't let people derail you and don't let people uh, put you off your train of thought or your ambitious goals. That's the most important thing I've learned in life in the past two years is not to let people derail you with their negative thoughts, get on with your own life. And, you know, if needs be, get yourself a coach uh, because many people have a goal in mind, but all too often they lack the means to achieve the goal and the coach will help them to get there, you know. I think if you have a, a coach or mentor, whatever you want to call it, if somebody that's got your views in mind, they can help you very much get to your outcomes a lot quicker. Because if you're going out and about yourself and you're going round and round in circles, it's going to take you a long time to get there. Correct. And also what I've learned in the past 12 or 16 months is you can't do everything yourself. It's important to concentrate on the things you can do well and also to have enough time to take on new challenges. So for example, this time last year, I struggled to work on my technique to record videos. So for example, I was moving my shoulders on the videos. I was, uh, my body language was poor enough. I didn't have enough empathy in my voice. I was looking at the screen rather than the camera, for example. So you have to work on building your technique in terms of recording videos. And also this year now I'm working on uh, building empathy and building my intellectual property. But I leave all my social media activity to my coach stroke video producer because he's much better at that type of work than I am. Very, very true and that's really important because uh, when you're starting out being an entrepreneur it's easy to get overwhelmed because there's so much out there. Finding somebody to work alongside you, uh, perhaps at the things that aren't your strengths, saves an awful lot of heartache. 
Yeah. And what I recommend to people is try and find a coach or a mentor who's been on a similar journey or who's had the same problem that you're suffering from now. Don't just go out there and get a coach for the sake of getting a coach or a mentor because you might end up working with the wrong person. Um, so there's no harm in shopping around and finding the person who's best suited to your needs. Yeah, very, very important, doing your due diligence, as yeah. we say, because uh, there's an awful lot of people out there who are the world's best or the number one of, and uh, really there's not a lot of sustenance to their claims. So uh, have a, yeah. a real good sort of fish around. And somebody who's really up to the job doesn't mind how many questions you ask or what sort of things you're going to ask to, to be shown, because uh, yeah. if they're authentic, they'll be happy to do it. Yeah. Somebody asked me there recently on LinkedIn, what are you an expert at, John? I said, my own story. <laughs> yeah, very, very true. And yeah. John, unfortunately, like always, I'm sure we could talk for a lot, lot longer, but time always gets the better of us. So how can people get in touch with you if they want to? My website is https johntheprospeaker.com i.e. My email address is john at johntheprospeaker.ie. Wonderful. And I'm just going to drop you on the spot here. So if you had one piece of uh, advice to give anybody that's just been made redundant and uh, they're going to think about doing something else, what would you say to them? Redundancy can be the start of a brighter future. Be prepared to embrace a constructive challenge. Get yourself a coach or a mentor and identify what you love to do with the rest of your life and how you can best serve people. So be prepared to embrace a new challenge and think positively about the future. And don't let the redundancy itself get you down in the mouth. Be, be be positive and be brave. Wonderful. Great words there. Thank you so much, John, for joining us today and uh, loads of golden nuggets there. So uh, thank you so much. You're okay, Linda. Yeah? You're very welcome. And thank you for having me on your show. It's been an absolute pleasure. And from me as well, it's uh, thank you for being with us and uh, joining us again today. Stay safe and well and be kind to yourself until we're here next time. So from me, it's bye for now. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded in conjunction with the Chapel FM Art Centre and East Leeds FM radio station. For more information about them and all the good work that they do is www.elfm.co.uk. And to know more about what Linda Sage is doing, her website is www.lindasage.com, also on all the other social medias.